We start a new uh, Christmas series today, and I guess because of the holidays, our bulletins did not come in this week, so I apologize for you if you just have a piece of paper in your hand today uh, with the notes and the announcements on it, but I want to encourage you to take notes today. We are going to build on each message this month in this in this series. This series is called Peace on Earth. You get that from behind me. Peace on Earth. Did you know that Jesus came to bring peace? Did you know that? People have argued with me for years on that, not in a malicious way, but just said, well, what about the scripture where Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. That's in there. Did you know that? Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace. But he's talking about, I didn't come to bring peace like what you're thinking. I came to bring peace the way he brings peace. We're going to talk about that today. And we're going to start real basic, but we're also going to start with some Hebrew this morning. How many would like to know some Hebrew as you leave church today? All right, all six of you, you're going to get to know it. The rest of you just hang out for a little bit and enjoy it. Hey, how about everybody say, on the count of three, say welcome. We're going to welcome everybody watching us on Facebook. All right, you ready? One, two, three. That was just for y'all. That's awesome. We're going to have a lot of fun this series. I can already tell. Today, we're starting the Prince of Peace or the, the Peace on Earth series with a message entitled The Prince of Peace. Listen, if we're going to if we're going to get into it the next 2 or 3 weeks, we're going to talk about God's overall plan for peace, how it affects our daily lives, not just understanding the Bible. That's great. But if it doesn't apply to me, it's hard for me to live it out, right? So we're going to learn that, how do we live that out? But today I want to start fundamentally with peace itself. Who it is, what it is, how do we get it? How do I keep it? Let me just ask this question. I need a participation on this. How many in light of Black Friday and the, the rest of this year, how many could use some peace in your lives? Can I tell you, I mentioned this a couple of, uh, last month in our series when we dealt with some super incredibly tough topics, that between Thanksgiving and Christmas, more people attempt suicide than the entire 11 months combined before that. It's not that we have more problems, but it's because of the holidays and those, those times and those needs and the situations that we go through that we feel that more. And I want to tell you that this message today, it may not be exactly for you. I, I pray that a bunch of us it is, but I'm believing and there's no doubt in my mind that it's exactly for somebody you know. And that's why I would encourage you to take notes. You may be able to use it today. You may say, oh, this God's speaking to me through this pastor today. He's, he's doing a miracle. He's speaking through Scott to me, but he also may be speaking to you for somebody else that you're going to get to share with at the, at the break table or at the, at, in the hallway or at the elevator or at school or whatever in the next month. I'm believing that God can take what we learned here today and change lives this month. Amen. Follow with me in Isaiah chapter nine. We're going to jump right in and I want to read this scripture to you about the Prince of Peace. It says this for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And here it is. He will be called Prince of Peace, not peace like the world knows it, but peace like Jesus. That's the way he's going to be called the Prince of Peace. And I want to break it down for you for just a second and show you a little bit of Hebrew this morning. Two words. I think they're in your notes. Sar Shalom in your notes. And those two different words are important. You're going to get to see that in a minute. But Sar, that for those first three letters, Sar means the one in charge, means Lord, means chief or general. And later the Romans confiscated that. They started using that in Greek. 
the Romans used that for their czar, their leaders, but they spelled it C-Z-A-R. Later adapted it to the word Caesar. Caesar. Get that? So that's where they stole a bunch of stuff from the Hebrews. But so that means the one in charge. But the second half of that, that's, so that's the prince part that the Hebrews use for prince. And then shalom means rest or tranquility, wholeness, completeness, contentment. You getting all these? Jesus is the, the Lord of contentment, the general of tranquility. He is the prince of peace. Man, thanks, Hayden. Me and you are going to preach this thing right in the dirt today. You know what? If nobody else helps me out, we're going to do that. Jesus is the prince of peace. Let me, let me just tell you, it, it's, not, it's not because you get peace. It's not about that. It's because you get Jesus, and Jesus is peace. Does that make sense? I, I, I want you to understand that it's, it's in him... And it is him that we have peace. It's not, I, I am associated with Jesus, so I get his peace. It's a, I'm either in him or I'm not in him. And I have peace because of he because he is the prince of peace. Right? Does that make sense? Okay, I'll help you out. And so when you know that Jesus is the prince of peace, he himself is peace. Listen to how these verses sound a little different. I'll read a couple of them to you. John 14. Jesus saying this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. I'm I'm giving you peace. What is my peace? Me. I'm I'm not giving as the world gives it like, oh, you know, Scott, I owe you $5. So here, I'm going to give you finances. Jesus said, I'm not going to give you peace. I'm going to go with you and peace will be with you because Jesus is with us. Amen. Like there's a difference in understanding it's an attribute of Jesus or it is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. He's not the distributor of peace. It's Jesus. I want you to understand that that's the key to the entire series as we build on it. That's the first thing you fill in the blanks there is you can't have peace without having Jesus. That's the way it goes. And it's not just knowing him. We're going to get into that. But it is understanding having him and you in him that brings about peace in our lives. That's where people get confused. Sometimes we think just by knowing Jesus, we have peace. It's not. It's by being in Christ, him and us, that peace comes, that we have peace. So you ask me, how do I have peace? Ask me real quick. Well, thank you. I appreciate you asking. I heard everybody on Facebook too. That's what we're going to talk about today. So, so knowing that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, how do, I, how do I get peace? Well, let me tell you, if you look, so last week we talked about the definition of fairness and how the world's definition and the biblical definition, if you look at the way Jesus treated people, it's totally different, right? We talked about how being fair, you treat others the way they treat you. That, that's fair. If you go to court, well, you do this to me, so I get to do that to you, that we exchange, we're fair, we're even. But Jesus said that's not the way it should be. You treat others the way you want to be treated in spite of how they treat you, right? And we talked about Jesus on the cross, whether it was the thief he treated fairly by not giving him his just punishment or the, those taking his clothes at the foot of the cross. They didn't even ask for forgiveness. And Jesus treated them fairly, right? He said, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. 
How in the world could you do that? Because Jesus plays by a whole different set of rules. Everybody say, thank the Lord. Yeah, his rules are different. So when you look up peace in the, in the, in the what is that thing called? In the dictionary, when you look up peace in the dictionary, it says the absence of conflict or war or trouble. Can I, can I tell you, that's not what my Bible says. It's not the absence of something. Scripture says it's actually the presence of something. I'm waiting. I'm just letting that sink in for a minute. Y'all elbow your neighbor. Did you get that? Yeah, it, it's, it's not the absence of conflict. Because how many of you know you can not have any conflict going on and still not have peace? Because sometimes conflict's not from the neck down. It's from the neck up, right? And so I want you to understand as we go through this entire month talking about peace, it's not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Christ in your life. That's where you get peace. Not just knowing him, but him in you, you in him, you as one. That's how you get to know him. You ever, you ever wonder like when married couples get together, or scripture tells us that the two, right? You have a, a male and a female. You got this couple, they're dating. They're going to get married. And these two, they become one. You ever notice that? Like God doesn't know math, right? All of his rules are messed up in the Bible. That's why you have to read the whole Bible and understand what his thinking is. And it's the same way with Christ. It's like, I'm incomplete without Christ. I can't have peace outside of Christ. Jesus is peace. So there's no way I can walk through this world, even if I know all about it, even if I went to Christian school, even if I go to church every Sunday, unless I know Christ and him in me, me and him, I can't have peace. And I want peace. Amen? I want peace in my life. Listen, there have been times in your life, I, I bet you money right now, that I could have said $100,000 or complete peace. And you would have snatched that peace right out of my hand. Because we understand that when, once you live a little bit on the planet, you understand that there's things that money can't fix. Now, I'm all about hundred grand. all right? I may take that first and go, no, that didn't work. Can I trade it? Something like that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there are situations and circumstances in life where the number one thing I'm praying for is peace. God, as I go through this, I want peace. So I'm going to walk you through how do we get peace today? And number one is this. Number one is you have to totally, 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 you can only write it once, but I'm going to say it three times, totally surrender to Jesus. Totally surrender to Jesus. I may harp on that a little bit today because I live that out. If you go in my office, my, my first Bible that I got Two years before I became a Christian. In 1991, you look at my little burgundy Bible in there. It's all ripped to shreds because I had a soft top or kind of a no top Jeep at the time. And it went through it. Not because I read it a whole whole ton, but it was because it went through all the weather. It lived outside kind of thing. But you look in the beginning of my Bible, my burgundy Bible, and it says presented to Scott Morris in February of 1991. Well, if you've heard my story, you know, I didn't become a Christian until 93. But what happened was in 1991, I go to enroll in school. And because of the way I acted in 1990 in college, I was on academic probation. They said, you have to sit out a semester. What? Yeah, well, I'm smarter than that. Well, your grades don't show it. Well, I'm better than that. Well, your conduct doesn't show it. Wow. And so my cousin had just started the semester before he had just started to Southwestern at Weatherford. And he was the youth pastor at this little church. So you know what I did, right? I went to his church. I went to his church. I prayed the prayer. I'm like, Jesus, all of this stuff that they're talking about, I want it all, right? 
I want all of that stuff. I want you to fix this. I want you to give me that. Everything the pastor's talking about, I want that. The trick was, you had to start with Jesus. You can't get all the Jesus stuff without Jesus first. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't want to surrender to Jesus. Like, I still had my keys. I'll give you one key. This is the key for Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. One Sunday night a month. I mean, if I'm really honest, you know. I'll give you that key. But he wants the keys to the rest of my week. He wants the keys to my whole life. He wants the keys to my thoughts. Yeah, do you understand? Like, unless we totally give it over to him, there's no peace. And that's why I say that because I went through that. And then I couldn't figure out why, well, I'm going to church. I'm saying, yes, I want that. Pastor say, how many want that? I want that. Let's pray. How many need that? Me? Look at me. I need it. Right? But it wasn't working. Because first and foremost, you have to totally surrender to Christ. You have to give him your life. You have to give him everything. It'd be like you have a garage that you park your car in, but you just park the front part in. Everybody would think you're nuts, right? No, well, honey, I just really want to protect the engine. I don't really care about the rest of it. Nobody does that because that would be nuts. You have a carport, you just, maybe just the back half. I got a new set of tires. I want to protect those for a while. But if, if you get under the lordship of Jesus, if you get completely up underneath, then you can go through the storms of life and he will keep you from being shook, as we talked about last series. You, that makes sense? It's only in that, that total surrender, not a partial, not a half a day. It's a total surrender to Jesus that real peace comes in your life. When people come in and talk to me for counting, there's many in this room that have said, hey, can I, can I meet with you? And I got some questions, got some issues going on, maybe a problem in life. And I will always start with, well, let's, let's before we get into all the issues, what's, what's going on spiritually? Let me, let, me, let me find out how your spiritual life's going. Because I understand after years of doing this that, man, I can, you can give me all the problems and I can give you four steps how to get out of that if you have totally surrendered to Christ first. Because it's going to take him with keys in hand driving you through this situation to get you through it. Amen? Listen to Romans as Paul tries to explain this to the Romans in Romans 12. Let me ask you one more question, audience participation. How many of you would love to know God's will for your life? Let me see your hands. I mean, how many times have you said that in life? Oh, if I could just know your will for my life, right? Listen to the scripture. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, here we go, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Listen, what we talked about when I came up here after worship, this is great, worshiping hands, this is all awesome, but true worship. So here's the keys, Lord, you own me giving you all of me. That, that's true worship, he says. And then it goes on. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, here we go, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Somebody say, amen. It, it's only then. That's, that's why when people say, I want to know God's will for my life. Okay, if we put God first. Yes, I go to church. I want whatever pastor's got. That's not what I ask you. Does Jesus own you? Have you offered your body as a living sacrifice? I can tell you that in 1991, in February of 91, when I went to church with my cousin, I did everything on the script that you're supposed to do. At the end, the pastor said, how many want to give your life to Christ? I raised my hand. 
Put my hand right back down, prayed the prayer, walked out. I was pretty excited. Because of that, my cousin bought me a Bible. And I started reading a little bit. I started waiting for all of these things to change, for him to fix my grades, for him to fix my police record, for him to fix my relationships, for him to fix me. And he said, I can't do that from the outside. And for two years, it just went like this. If you've ever been there, say amen. Yeah, it just went like that. And, and it, then toward the end, and at the beginning of 93, it just went like this. And that night, March 17th, when I was at a party and walked out of an old trailer house in Arapahoe, Oklahoma, through a gravel parking lot, I didn't need a pastor asking me to raise my hand. I didn't need to know what scripture said about it. Here's what I understood. I got one shot. You know who I need to go to? All I need in this world is Jesus, and he's going to have to fix everything else. You understand? Like, I understood what was missing in the beginning was actually Jesus. I was wanting all of his stuff, but I never surrendered. I wanted him to come in and set up camp without him changing my life. And that's the only way it happens, is to totally surrender. Give him the keys. Let him come in. And with him brings peace. The second thing is this. To bring Jesus into every situation. And you may think, well, that's an that's a obvious one. But let me tell you that if, if you need peace in your marriage, I'd tell you to bring Jesus into your marriage. Go ask my wife if I would be alive. And I say that because if she would have murdered me, had it not been for Jesus in our lives. There have been many times that we have sat down in front of each other and said, now listen, here's what I would like to do. And explained, like my fleshy, I want to stand up and tell you, you don't talk to me that way. I want to be stubborn and make you pay for a week for the way you treated me. I want to give you the cold shoulder. Like, that's the way my flesh is. I know nobody else in here is, but every now and then I get a little itchy trigger finger, you know. And I just want, and I've told her that before. She's told me those things. And I said, but it's helping me to get that off. I don't tell her that anymore because I'm hoping I'm more mature than that. I say that, I'll probably argue tonight and I'll probably tell her that, but... It's been a while. You can ask my kids. You really don't ask them. That'd be weird. Uh, <laughs> just bounce off of them everything you have questions about me. They'll tell you. But there have been times when I've said that and said, but because of my relationship with Jesus, and she said the same thing, because of what Jesus has done in my life, here's the way I'm going to treat you. And now we're to the place where we can later look back and go, hey, do you know why I just said it's okay? Or do you know why I came up to you and immediately apologized when it wasn't my fault? You know why I did Like now we can go back a day later instead of saying it as we're doing it. We'll go back and say, hey, I just want you to know, I'm so excited that that didn't get any worse or that we're able to work through that. And the reason it did is because of Jesus. Because that's not what I wanted to do. I know not everybody, not nobody else has been there, but... Me and my marriage, we've been there a few times. It's because of Jesus that there's peace there. Can I tell you about in your career? If you need peace in your career, man, get the 12, the next 12 steps to help you out and the four things of power and leadership. And all. That's great. Get all of that. But remember what comes first is Jesus in your life. And it's very easy. The reason I say bring Jesus into every situation. It's very easy to keep Jesus in on Sunday morning. It's very easy to clap and to worship and be excited and to talk Jesus shop and all that at church. But sometimes it's much more intentional to bring Jesus to your career. 
No amens, but I know I'm touching on something there. It's, it, it is much more intentional to bring Jesus into my finances, into my relationships. I mean, into my, into my neighbors. Oh, my goodness. I, I, have, I have three or four great neighbors, and I have one. I just want to choke out leaving the front yard. You know what I mean? Can I just... And when they wake up, just go, hey, I love you, but you just can't talk like that. You know, it's like, you're alive, so thank Jesus. But I I have to bring Jesus into that situation because Scott is still fleshy. You have to bring, I can't compartmentalize. And and listen to what 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says. This is so good. You always remember it because it's like John 3.16, but 2 Thessalonians was the second time he had to tell these people, you can't compartmentalize Jesus. This is why I remember stuff. You've got to bring him into every situation. Listen to what Paul says. Now, may the Lord of peace, we know that, himself give you peace when at all times and in every situation the Lord be with all of you. Not send peace with you, but be with you with your neighbors. Amen? Be with you when you're figuring your budget. Amen? Be with you when you're at work. The Lord be with you in your marriage. It's the only way it works is one to totally surrender to him, to be under the, the leadership, the lordship, the prince of Christ, and to bring him into every situation. We used to, we used to do this funny skit in, uh, in our youth group 20 years ago where somebody would, one of the students would become a Christian and they would put this big cross around their neck as a symbol to be a Christian. But, and they would tell their parents about it and they were so excited about it. And then... Some of their friends would knock on the door, you know, the, doing the little skit, the drama. The friends would knock on the door and say, hey, we're going to this party tonight. And they'd say, okay, hold on a second. And they'd take that cross off and hang it on the wall and walk out. And I always thought, you know, that's so great for kids. And then I became an adult. And I think I still struggle with sometimes taking Jesus and going, hey, right now, I don't need some uh, peace in this situation. I need some muscle. So would you sit over here for a minute? And I realized that, now that I'm an older adult, I realize that what every situation in my life needs is peace in it. Is Jesus to walk through it and show me this is the best way. You were raised one way, Scott. Here's the best way. That's what the way is. That's why they used to not call them Christians. They would call them followers of the way. Jesus invented the way. He was the leader of the way. They would follow him because he knew the way, the way of peace. Acts 10, 36, one more scripture under this point. Listen to this, it says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is, one more time, Lord of all. I used to have a pastor that said, listen, listen, listen. If he is not the Lord of all, then he ain't Lord at all. Y'all just tweet that out right now, you'll get that. And as funny as that sounds, that's exactly true. If Jesus can't be the Lord of my marriage if he's not also the Lord of my career. He can't be the Lord of my finances if he's also not the Lord of my relationships. He wants to be the Lord of all in my life. So how do I get peace in my life? The first thing is to surrender totally to him. The second is to not compartmentalize Jesus, but to make him Lord of every part of my life. And the third one is this, to keep my mind on Jesus. Keep my mind on him. How many of you know you can totally surrender to Christ? You can intentionally bring Jesus into every situation. But over the long haul, every situation in this world will fight you for your attention. 
fight you mentally, emotionally, physically for your attention. And I, I developed a trick about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I have a friend that passed away about six years, seven years ago now. I can't remember how long it's been. His name was Rob Burke. And me and Rob were friends. And uh, Rob was Rob was probably the top three closest people to Jesus I was ever around. People that acted like Jesus. He was super weird. And he's just like Jesus. He would just do weird stuff. And and later I'd think, yeah, that was so weird. And then I would analyze it. And I'd go, that's probably how Jesus would have done that. And Rob took a trip to India and spent a couple of weeks in Calcutta, India, traveling all around India, the, the poorest. He spoke in uh, universities over there. He traveled all over the place. And when he got back, we went to lunch. And my trick comes from our conversation that started at lunch that day. And as he was telling me about India and how it works and the caste system, you know, you're born into the social levels there. So your family, say if you're a middle-income family, uh, middle class, your family's been born into that middle class maybe for, maybe for millenniums, maybe for two or 3,000 years, your family's been there. You're locked in. The only way you get out of it is through like death or marriage kind of stuff. But it's the same way if you're poor. There's no way you can like go get a degree. It's, you're in the cast. You're cast like, like a, a cast on your arm, how it's cast and it's permanent. You're cast into that social class. So you have to stay there for forever, forever. That's, that's your destiny. And he was telling me, Rob was telling me, he was telling me about going to the, this university and he was speaking and some of the incredible stories. But what really got me, what helps me keep my mind on Christ when I get distracted by junk of the world and stressful situations is something that Rob said. He said, um, one day they took a tour of the dump over there. They spent the entire day in the dump. And he said, you have to understand when you do things in America, it, the dump, if you go to the dump here in Oklahoma City, or is, is, is that what everybody else calls it? We, we just call it the dump, where you take the trash. Okay, just making sure. I'm from East Duncan, so you, we make up words around there. So um, if you go to the dump in Oklahoma City, that dump's probably only, I mean, less than 100 years old. If you go to the dump in Calcutta, India, they may have blocks and trash there that are 3,000 years old. Like those families there that live in the dump, they have lived there forever since that became a place. They were cast as the low people on the totem pole, and there are families that live in the dump. And Rob was telling me about, and I said, so like where do they sleep and stuff? He said, well, they'll find a mattress that's ripped up, and they'll drag it out, and they'll sleep on that for a couple of weeks till it rains and molds, and they have to go find them another one. I said, well, what do they wear? And he goes, well, they wear clothes that other people discard. You have to search through that. And he said, you can't imagine these people as the dump trucks are coming out and dumping the garbage. The, the kids are usually the first ones there because they're the fastest, and then the rest of people, but they just swarm. There's hundreds of these people that go out and find where the trucks are dumping that day so they can get the fresh trash. They get the fresh clothes, and I mean throwaways from the next cast up, I guess, from them. But and he's talking about what they eat. They eat everybody else's throwaway food. The pieces that what they wear. They when I wear out my clothes and I throw them away, that's what they would get and wear. And he talked about how their feet were diseased and their mouths and their gums were diseased. And they don't ever in their entire lives go to doctors. The only doctors they ever get are people that usually from America that come over with missionary organizations that go and they you know for a week they work on a few people. 
But he said, it's just a drop in the bucket. There's tens of thousands on thousands of acres of dump that have been growing for years. And so he, for this whole lunch, he's telling me about these stories. And I'm just, and I keep saying, okay, but what at the dump? And I'm asking him these questions. I'm trying to figure out a three-step solution for these people. He said, there's no solution for them. They will be there till Jesus comes back in that society. He said, Scott, you know what? The only thing that I can give, like, I can't tell him if you get saved, God's going to change your cast and you get to be middle class. He said, no, all I can tell him is with Christ comes the hope, the love and the peace that is in Christ. And he said, you know what it's like to hold somebody's hands that you're scared you're going to get a disease that will kill you? from holding these people's hands and you're praying for them and you can feel the bugs crawling off of them onto you, literally. And you're praying as they receive Christ, as they're crying and they're so excited to receive Christ that this 20 minute little conversation you've had with them, realizing that they'll never leave the dump, that the only thing you can give them is Christ. And you finally realize, Scott, that that's the greatest thing you can give them. That that money will not change them a place in society will not change them. Like you're giving them what you really believe. You're giving them peace, love, hope. And when I struggle with the things of the world, I force myself, I force myself to intentionally think of situations like what, what Rob told me. And I saved some of the graphic stuff. Hit me up later, I'll tell you. Some of the incredible stuff that we forget sometimes, like how blessed. Lord, I have nothing. Nothing to complain about. In fact, is when Kyle was singing that song this morning, it's your breath and my lungs, so I pour it. And I just started crying. I was like, that's literally God's breath in me. If he wants it back, I fall to the ground and stop breathing. He gave it on loan to me. I'm thankful for that. It changes how you see things when you totally surrender to him. When you let him have every part of your life. And you just throughout your day, when things come out, you say, man, I'm just going to give this to Jesus. I'm gonna, how would Jesus handle this? I'm going to turn it over to him. I'm going to pray and ask him. I'm going to let him lead me. I'm going to keep my mind and everything I think about on him. Philippians 4 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Here we go. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and God and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. Listen, it's not easy. Isn't it funny when we talked about that absence of conflict earlier, what I was thinking about is, Jesus is going to be with us through the conflict. You know what I mean? Like he told the disciples, he didn't tell the disciples, I'm going to keep the storm from raging. But what he said was, I'll be in the boat with you. Amen. My peace will be with you in the boat. When, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not bowing our knee. Well, no, you don't understand. That's just social norms. Everybody's doing it. Come on, bow your knee to the statue. We're not doing that. Jesus didn't say, hey, if you don't bow, you're going in the fire or you're not going to go in the fire. He didn't say that. But what he did say is, I'll go with you. I'll be in there with you. So it's not the absence of conflict, just like this says, and the God of peace will be with you. Whatever you go through, 
Keep your mind on that. Remember that. Listen, I may go through the fire. I may go through a storm. I may go through situations. But I, I have one thing above all of these things. Jesus is with me. And if Jesus is with me, his peace is with me. Amen? That's what changes it. That's what changes it is that he is with me. He is peace. He is with me. That's what peace is all about. That's why we call him the Prince of Peace. He changes everything. And listen, if you're here today, I want to start like this. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ or maybe even, maybe even you know Jesus, like you're acquainted with him, you shook hands with him, you come to church, but you haven't surrendered your life to him. You haven't handed over the keys to today and tomorrow to your next day. You haven't surrendered the way you live to the way he wants you to live. Then I want to pray for you today. Would you mind closing your eyes and, and let me pray for you? And if that's you, I, I won't call you up to the front or anything because I know Jesus can do a life-changing work right there where you're at. Let's take a, a big step today. And if that's you and you say, you know what? It's time for me to totally surrender my life to Christ, to hand the keys over, not to just hand him Sunday or a part of my week, but to give him all of my life every day, all day, because I want the peace, the love, and the hope that only he can bring, then I want to pray for you today. If that's you, will you just let me know, hey, you're praying for me. I'm making that decision by just giving me a little hand wave real quick with nobody looking around. Awesome. You can put it right back down. Anybody else? That's super exciting. I'm proud of you. Anybody else? Just give me a little hand wave. That just lets me know I'm making that decision today to totally surrender to Jesus. Anyone else? And I want to pray for you, those that raised their hand today. I want to pray that Jesus would show you how real he is, that he'd come into your life, that he would change you from the inside out. Lord, I thank you so much that you are the prince of peace, that you are the Lord of tranquility, that you're the general of calm. I thank you so much for what you bring by just being there. So for those today that have made a decision to open their lives up, to receive you into their life, to totally surrender, to not compartmentalize you on a day or an event, but to totally surrender their lives. Lord, today, I pray that you would come into their life, that you would forgive them of their past, their mistakes, their sin, and that you would do what your word says, that you would make them new from the inside out, that you would from this day forward change their heart and their motives, help them change the way they think, and Lord, more than anything, I pray that you would bring them the peace of knowing you. Not just knowing you as a, an acquaintance, but knowing you as their Lord, their prince of peace in their life. And Lord, I pray for anyone else in this room. No doubt there are people in this room that need you, that need you to strengthen them, that, that have a relationship with you because of circumstances going on in their life that peace is, is hard to find. And I pray for that. I pray that you would give them peace that only comes from you, that you would remind them that as long as you're with them, that they can have peace in their lives, that you transcend the storms, that you transcend the fire, you transcend the circumstances that we go through. Remind them of your word. Remind them of your promises, that you are the Prince of Peace, and we shall call you by that name. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. It is in your name that we pray and everybody said.